You're listening to the Dean's Dissertation, the Cleveland Sports Review and Beyond, with your host, Greg Brenda. Hi, everybody. Greg Brenda here, and welcome to another edition of the Dean's Dissertation. I call this edition Unfinished Business. That's right, Unfinished Business, because our three professional sports teams have unfinished business. Yes, all of them. The Indians, the Cavaliers, and the Cleveland Browns. Now, you may be seen, but, 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 wait, but wait a minute, Greg. Only one is playing right now, and that would be the Cleveland Cavaliers. You're absolutely right, but that doesn't mean things aren't going on. Right now, spring training is winding down for the Indians. And for the Cleveland Browns, we are still, yes, still a month away from the NFL draft, which means that there is still a lot of work to do. And the Browns hopefully are getting to it because John Dorsey, my man, the GM, has to make a very, very critical decision. Now, let's start off with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Folks, it's been an interesting year from day one. We've had a slump to begin with. Then we had a major trade where the Cavaliers literally traded half their team. Then there was a there was a uh, a brief upsurge following the trade. Then all of a sudden, injuries took over. And here we are with less than a month ago before the end of the regular season. And guess what? There is still a lot to be done. First off, the coach, the head coach, Ty Lue, who has really been battling health problems the entire season, has taken a leave of absence. That's right. The head coach is not head coaching right now. He needs to get healthy. And until he comes back, I'm not saying that the ship is leaderless because, of course, when you have LeBron James and you have a myriad of assistant coaches, which the Browns do, you're, you're going to be in pretty good hands. But let's face it, at the end of the day, you need the guy that's in charge, the guy that's been selected, the guy who is the head coach making those decisions. Now, If you've heard me and read my tweets, you know I'm not the greatest or biggest Ty Lue fan. Uh, That has been said many, many, many times. I continue to say that. And again, in doing so, I still wish Ty Lue well and health, and hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later. But in 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 the meantime, and when he does come back, The Cavaliers still have to finalize some kind of rotation for the postseason. They are far from that. The good news is that Kevin Love is back from his his fractured hand, which is good. But the uh, Cavaliers still have many, many, many more injuries. Guys that have been out here and there. Guys who are still being acclimated to the new team from the trade. Guys who are doing pretty decently, like Larry Nance Jr., but out with an injury. And guys who aren't doing very well, like George Hill, who really, really, really needs to step up his game. You know, when you get to the postseason, the rotations really shrink. And I mean really shrink. So that means that Ty Lue will have to have his work cut out. Who am I going to start? Who's going to come off the bench? What eight or nine guys am I going to use most every night? Now, you may say, but Greg, you know, in that perfect world, the Cavaliers, when you look at their roster, they got about 10 guys, maybe 11 that can play. Yeah, absolutely. In the perfect world. But nobody plays in the perfect world during the NBA season or the postseason, I should say. 
That's when hard decisions have to be made. That's when the coach has to really shrink that bench and decide who's going to play and not play. You got to wonder, is Tristan Thompson going to really be able to contribute? Is he going to be part of that rotation, especially with the play of Larry Nance? No one really knows for sure. We know that Larry, we know that LeBron James is going to play. And, well, you start from there, and you kind of know the other particulars. The other guy that really remains a mystery and has been a mystery and a disappointment all season long is J.R. Smith. Now, it would seem, especially with the way Ty Lewis talked, that no matter what the, what the story is, He's going to have to play. The JR is going to have to be part of that rotation, whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench. I'm not sure if that's going to be a very good idea to begin with because he just really hasn't contributed all year. Now, there's a line of thought that says, well, if you now stop using him, you will lose him for the rest of the year in the postseason. You know what? That may be true. J.R. Smith's, um, you know, mental approach may be very fragile. And that's something that the Cavaliers are going to have to consider. But at the end of the day, they're going to have to make a decision one way or the other that's best for the team. And maybe J.R. Smith is not part of that rotation. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. So there are some really, really big decisions to be made. The other thing is just acclimating all these guys, getting them all healthy. And the one thing that hasn't worked all season long is defense. For a quick moment or two after the trade, the defense was pretty darn good. It really was. But once the team started to play more together, the defense waned. And from everybody that I have talked to and listened to, that really comes down to coaching. The coach and the staff have to really step in and say, listen, guys, this is what we need you to run. These are the these are the correct sets that we need to run to make our defense efficient. And folks, let me tell you something. If the defense continues to falter in the postseason, the Cavaliers are not going to win a championship. They are not going to outscore all of their opponents every night or in four out of seven games. I know a lot of you think that that's going to happen. A lot of you are, oh, Greg, let's not worry about that. Don't don't worry about that. Well, I am worried about that because for the most part, and statistically it's proven, the Cavaliers have not played good defense the entire year. So, That's what the Cavaliers are going to have to do. That's what they're going to have to figure out. And hopefully sooner rather than later, because folks, time is running out. The next thing you know, it will be the middle of April and the postseason will have begun. The Cavaliers right now, folks, are not the best team in the East. I know a lot of you are just saying, hey, don't worry. The regular season means nothing. Just wait till the postseason starts. LeBron pushes the button and everyone follows. Well... I'm one who just doesn't buy into that at all. And I would say this to you, don't you be ones that will buy into that, and then you're going to see just what I'm talking about. The Cleveland Browns, yeah, have unfinished business. But Greg, they just had a tremendous week of, of trades and free agency. You know what? John Dorsey did a masterful job two weekends ago. 
getting a veteran quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, getting a veteran wide receiver, getting a veteran defensive back, offensive lineman. You know, John Dorsey and his staff did all the right things. Well, they had a ton of money. They had a ton of draft picks. And, you know, they didn't really spend a lot of their draft picks. They still have all their high draft picks. We talked about that on our last podcast, what they did on that memorable week once, you know, you were able to make trades official. The Cavaliers did their homework. They did their job. They did what they had to do. But, folks, they're not done because you know what? The draft is right around the corner. And as much as they've helped themselves via trade and free agency, they still have a ton of high draft picks. They still have two of the top four draft picks. And everyone is wondering, what will the Browns do at number one? Will they pick that quarterback? Or will they pick, you know who, at running back from Penn State? Well, folks, they have to pick their quarterback. As I said on an earlier podcast, one of the four top guys is going to be really, really good. The odds say it. One of those top four guys is going to be really, really good. John Dorsey just has to pick the uh, the right one. As I tweeted earlier, and I know I get into a lot of conversation just with people that I know, just with people, you know, in, in an everyday situation. Greg, who should the Browns pick at number one? Who should the Browns pick at quarterback? I like this guy. Who do you like? Who do you, and, I, and I, you know, I, I, I don't want to be a you-know-what. But I'm, but I'm just going to tell you. And I tweeted this a while ago. It really doesn't matter who you want at quarterback or who I want at quarterback. I'm not interested in Paul from Parma. Bill from Beechwood, Lou from Lakewood, Dick from Dayton, Ernest from Euclid, Fred from Fairview, in what you think the Browns should do at quarterback. Because you know what? It doesn't really matter what or who you like. The only one that I'm interested in is John Dorsey's opinion. You know why? Because he's the only one making the decision on draft day. You're not making that decision. I'm not making that decision. I know I know all of my media brethren have not been invited into the Browns draft room to make that decision to help John Dorsey figure out who the Browns should take at quarterback with the number one pick. But Greg, I like this guy. And if they don't pick him or or or, you know, wait a second. No, no. No, no. Stop, stop, stop. There will be some intense work going on between now and draft day. The Browns will be finalizing all of their scouting reports. They're going to go ever uh, they're going to go after every piece of film and done some over and over and over again. And then come to some conclusion about who they should pick at number one. All I say is, just pick the right guy. Just pick the right guy. I don't care, nor should you. What? If they don't pick the guy that you want, you're going to go back to your, your 12 minutes of YouTube and go, well, you know, Greg, you know, I was studying this. Since Shut up. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. 
Stop it! The Browns have a lot of work to do. They have, they've had a great st- – and again, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they've had a great start. I mean a great start to this offseason. They still have a ways to go. They really do. It's only the beginning. And even then, folks, we're not going to go from 0-16 to 9-7. and Oh, I know there's, there's a handful of you Browns fans out there that think that that's possible. Well, certainly anything is possible. I just don't think it's probable at all. So, again, with the great start the Browns have had in the offseason, they still have lots to do when it comes to nailing down who they want on draft day. And again, they just better make the right decision because if they don't make the right decision, guess what? It's going to be another long, long year. As we approach the start of the baseball season, which is coming very rapidly, yes, the Indians have unfinished business. But, Greg, everybody's picking them to win the American League Central. They're still one of the best teams in baseball. In fact, some of the national pundits have the Indians going to the World Series again. Well, the last time I checked, they didn't go to the World Series last year. And they lost the World Series in seven games to the Chicago Cubs in 2016. All right? We have chronicled who they have lost in the offseason. We have chronicled who they have picked up in the offseason. And when you do the math, and you still do the math, they haven't equaled who they've lost in the offseason. They still haven't found anybody to kind of take the place of Brian Shaw. They'll put bodies in the bullpen, and maybe they have, but they haven't figured out who to who to to really be the the workhorse now that Brian Shaw is gone? Jay Bruce, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be sad about this one all season long. Yeah, they brought back Rajay Davis, who seems to still have some speed left. Tyler Naquin is making one last push to try to get back to the major leagues again. The Indians have a have a have a bunch of outfielders out there that 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 could do the job, counting on Lonnie Chisholm again. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. Very frankly, I am still not satisfied at all. I'm really not. I thought, and I still hold out on this, even though time is running out, that the Indians will make a deal before the start of the regular season. I may be completely wrong about that prediction. I thought by now. And I really thought that that maybe by the, oh, with two and a half weeks to go before the start of the baseball season, the Indians would have went out and, gone, and would have gone out and made a deal, and they have not so far. So apparently, unless they do something in about a week, are going to go into the regular season, not knowing fully if Michael Brantley will be ready to start the, the regular season, if Brandon Geyer will be ready to start the regular season. They'll sort out the bullpen, but do they really have a replacement for Brian Shaw? No one really knows that. I think those are important things. And it doesn't mean that the Indians are not going to win the American League Central either. They still have a very good team. They've had a very good spring, you know, and take spring training with a grain of salt. 
Okay, a lot of guys have hit the ball pretty well during spring training. They've hit a lot of home runs in spring training. The Indians have scored a lot of runs, and they seem to be on the right track. Knock on wood, no major injuries so far. Now, again, Chris Antonetti, Mike Chernoff have been very aggressive. That is their M.O., And I just get the feeling that if there's any slight downturn or if they notice something, they will pull the trigger. They have to, folks. They can't they can't stay pat. And again, I I am a bit surprised that they haven't really done anything to really change it up just a little bit. Again, remember. The last time I checked, and I didn't misremember this, they didn't make last year's World Series. They lost three games to two to the New York Yankees. Oh, but, Greg, they were within, you know, a hand reach of a home run and winning in three straight. That's true. But they didn't. They did not win in three straight. They lost. And that was a bitter defeat that still, and I mean still, clings to me. So, again, three professional teams with still things to accomplish, with unfinished business that must be finished when it's all said and done. Finally, Joe Thomas, I think, did the right thing this week and retired. 11 years, 10 Pro Bowls, and the clock is ticking to when he'll be elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame down in Canton, Ohio. One of the best Cleveland Browns players ever one of the best Cleveland Browns tackles ever maybe the best ever it's just so sad because he gave his all he performed at an elite level he performed at a hall of fame level folks there's only a handful of players in the history of the league that perform at a hall of fame level it's not easy it's very hard to do Joe Thomas didn't miss a snap for 10 years. 10 plus years didn't miss one snap in some of, well, there wasn't very much good and a lot of bad. You know, the Browns, he did his part. He showed up every day. He played hard every day. And unfortunately, the Cleveland Browns failed him. Ownership failed him. The front office failed him. He did his part. There was nothing more that Joe Thomas can do. If there was one thing that I kind of chide Joe at, and I, I and it's just a little thing, I think Joe just liked his bad teammates way too much. <laughs> and trust me, folks, you've seen it. I've seen it. He's had a lot of bad teammates. And he never really said anything bad about him. Boy, he, yeah, you could you could write chapter and verse. You could write books. You could write volumes in books as to the uh, as to the number of bad teammates that Joe Thomas had. Yet he remained quiet. He did his job. He did his professional job. He went out classy. And let me tell you something. I think Joe Thomas is going to be a star in the media. I think you're going to see Joe Thomas someday doing TV, radio, whatever commentary. He knows the game. He speaks well. He's got a great sense of humor. And all that works. And for Joe, 
he will have a brand new career. I'm just wondering that that day when he gets that first job, if he's going to if he's going to have such a great track record like he did when he was playing and never miss a show or never miss a game like he never missed the snap. You know what? Something tells me that that will be Joe Thomas and he will be the one that will do that. As I said, we get closer to the draft when we uh, in about a few weeks and in the next few podcasts, we'll be looking at some of the best Browns draft picks and unfortunately, some of the worst Browns draft picks. Cavs postseason ready to take charge in a little bit. And man, oh man, folks, I cannot wait for baseball to begin. And it'll be here very, very shortly. So until we meet again, this is Greg Brenda at Sir Franks and Bacon on Twitter and another Dean's Dissertation. Subscribe, rate, and return for more with the Dean.